Okay, good morning again. And uh, let us pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, I last preached about two months ago. I doubt if you remember, but it's okay. Sometimes I also forget what I preach. So I don't expect too much. Uh, it was about in everything give thanks. Um, and so I'm going to give you a chance this morning to put into practice because I think I'm going to inflict some pain. Here goes. Sermon 85 by John Sleep on working out our own salvation. Some great truths as the being and attributes of God and the difference between moral good and evil were known in some measure to the heathen world. The traces of them are to be found in all nations so that in some sense it may be said to every child of man he hath showed thee O man, what is good, even to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. With this truth he has, in some measure, enlightened every one that cometh into the world. And thereby, they that have not the law, that have no written law, are a law unto themselves. They show the work of the law, the substance of it, though not the letter, written in their hearts by the same hand which wrote the commandments on the tables of stone. Their conscience also bearing them witness, whether they act suitably thereto or not. But there are two grand heads of doctrine which contain many truths of the most important nature, of which the most enlightened heathens in the ancient world were totally ignorant, as were also the most intelligent heathens that are now on the face of the earth. I mean those which relate to the eternal Son of God and the Spirit of God, to the Son giving himself as a propitiation for the sins of the world, and to the Spirit of God renewing men in that image of God wherein they were created. Anybody understood that fully? Ah, shall I stop? <laughs> okay. Well, I promise not to do that again. But I think it is fair to say we can be thankful that we don't have to listen to Wesley verbatim or word by word every Sunday. Do I have agreement? I think so. Huh? Well, this is the final of the five sermon series we call TWOS, T-W-O-S, The Way of Salvation. And um, those are derived from Wesley's many sermons. And I think I drew the short straw because this is the hardest by the way, if you think listening to Wesley word for word is bad, I think I know, I, I know someone who is, I think, prepping for the bar exam. And this is part of the Facebook post recently. Show the post. Anyone who knows what TFW means? The feeling when you pay $6,000 to be given this kind of notes. <laughs> uh, the notes, uh, anybody understands this? If you're not lawyer, uh, you see, uh, so if you're not yet lawyer, then you get this kind of thing. Uh, and you read, form and content of EAEICs, C Order 41, Rules 1, 5, 1, 9, 2, 11 of the ROC, Paris 57-59 of the Supreme Court PD, effective effect of non-compliance with PD, Paris 63, 
it's finally dawned on me why they call this bar exam. Because if you're given this kind of material, it will drive anyone to drink. <laughs> Make sense or not? I think so. Lah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back to Wesley's sermon. Um, 85. The next thing to be thankful for is the availability of what they call paraphrases. And here I'm indebted to the one done by Mike Greff. See, even I, theologically trained, need a paraphrase of John Wesley's sermon. Well, first of course, Wesley's sermon here is based on the scripture text, Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13. And this is what it is. Will you now hear the word of God? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work, or some translations, to do, for his good pleasure. Well, Wesley begins by speaking out, and that's us a reading at the beginning, about uh, what some theologians, theologians have called common grace. God's grace that is available to all humans, which is evidenced by things like the conscience, humanitarian behavior, and what is good in nature, and what people do, etc. But he continues that there are two vital truths of which the world is totally ignorant. And those are about Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son, and the Holy Spirit's work in us, which have been brought to light only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for those who are Christians, we are called to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wesley reminds us of what precedes this passage. And if you don't know, it is about Jesus incarnation, his emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, humbling himself to death on the cross so that he gets the name that is above every name. So, as he says, with Jesus as our supreme example, Paul urges, out, urges us, one, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, two, because God is working in you both to will and to do for his own good pleasure. What does this mean? So Wesley handles the second part first. Because, uh, I mean God's working. We, and that means, uh, basically we that, that we get no credit whatsoever because it is God's work. God not only works in us to do, but to will also. And because it is his work and his doing, we cannot claim or deserve any credit. For Wesley, to will involves our inner life, whatever good thoughts and desires God moves in us, to do involves the empowerment for us to engage in every good work, every good word. And this is what uh, we now come to know, to be to be, it, which is described as prevenient grace. To use the Wesleyan term, prevenient grace, the grace that goes before us. Now, uh, the second part, which is, I mean, the second part, which is the first part, handle second. Work out your own salvation uh, with fear and trembling. This emphasizes your own salvation, not anyone else's. And your own salvation starts the time you acknowledge Christ. And it keeps on going and growing and increasing. 
For the term fear and trembling, Wesley says this is not to be taken literally, but to mean in Wesley's words, with singleness of heart. Not eye service, not to show people, nor to please people, but to do it as Christ's servants. Uh, doing God's will from our heart. In other words, it is an expression of our full commitment to Christ. And how do we translate this into practice? Wesley lists these things. One, stop doing wrong. Uh, learn to do right, which is inspired by Isaiah. And resist evil and sin. Next, do good works, especially social concerns, um, works of mercy, he calls it, um, including spiritual disciplines, uh, fasting, Bible study, sacraments. Then uh, to do God's will, he also uh, to do good to all. Uh, when he says doing uh, the spiritual disciplines, also means meeting up with one another. Then to follow Jesus, which is from the Bible, to deny self, take up our cross. So that's basically the body of the sermon. Then uh, I need to share with you what Albert Outler, he's probably the most famous or the greatest Wesleyan theologian of the 20th century. This is what he said about this sermon. Albert Outler says, this is a landmark sermon written late in Wesley's life, the exact date unknown. It is the most complete and careful exposition Wesley ever made of the mystery of divine human interaction. His subtlest probing of the paradox of prevenient grace and human agency. Anyone understand that also? It just means very difficult. Lah. That's what he's saying. Huh? Difficult to understand. That's his quote. But Outlaw was correct. Because this is paradox. Wesley recognized this too. What is paradox? Now, if you want to be corny, you say poodle and Dal uh, uh, Dalmatian. But, okay lah, that's beyond corny. What is paradox? Is there the two? Uh, it, it means what seems to be contradiction, but actually when you look at it, it is true. Even the they seem opposite. Did you get that? Paradox is what seems to be opposite or contradiction, but in the end, it holds together because it is true. Now, good Christian theology is full of paradox. Right, Justin? Okay, yes. Theological student. Finally getting to know the truth. Uh, you look at the, some of the hymns we sing, this reflects paradox. Uh, these are the hymns sung at the traditional service from Thou Hidden Source of Calm Repose. This, uh, these words, In weakness my almighty power, in bonds my perfect liberty. From, um, from Make Me a Captive Lord, uh, you see, Make Me a Captive Lord and then I shall be free. Paradox. Paradox. Uh, when I render up or surrender my sword, I shall conquer be. Then this, uh, my favorite um, uh, Wesleyan hymn, Come, O Thou Traveller Unknown. I am weak, but confident in self-despair. 
What a wonderful way of uh, saying uh, what is biblical. Confident in self-despair. All seemingly contradicting each other, but no. All good theology is paradox, which must be held in tension. The moment you try and smooth over or release the tension, you will get heresy, I assure you. Uh, because the Bible is full of paradox. Let's look at the list. When I'm weak, then I am strong. Who said this? Paul the Apostle. Uh, Jesus says, to be great, what must you be? The servant. Then, the funniest one, uh, the last shall be first. So when you queue up, uh, <laughs> and then Jesus also says, whoever saves his life will lose it. And the opposite way. All this is paradox. The Bible is full of paradox. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. So, when we look at Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, how does this come together? Work out your salvation because God is working. Actually, this sounds very counterintuitive. If you are a reasonable person, you say, if God is working, He's working to will and to do, what is there left for us to do? Huh? Nothing, right? Ah, Wesley says no. And he turns it around. This is Wesley's proposition. First, it is only because God works that we can or are able to work. If God did not work, we would not be able to. Then he says, because God is already working, continuous tense, we must work. Because this is what he tells us to do. If God is not working, it is impossible for us to do that. His work enables us to do our work. And then because God is actually working, we must work with Him as co-laborers because this is what He made us to be. This is who we are. This is what we do. Okay, I don't know whether you still got the point or not, but maybe this illustration will help. I once spoke to someone who told me, I think I know what God wants me to do, but I am not willing. How many of us have felt that before? Okay, never mind. Um, so I responded, are you willing to be made willing? Now, looking back, I must admit, I'm totally embarrassed by the shallowness of my answer. But, you know, somehow it seemed to work because that person eventually actually responded positively to what God wanted. What's my excuse? Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Are you willing to be made willing? The Bible tells us that God works in us both to will and to do. That means even if you are so unwilling to even consider obeying God, at least if you are willing to be made willing, God helps us to become willing and then goes on to enable us to obey Him. Does that make sense? I hope so, lah. <laughs> But we must allow Him to, this, to do this work in our lives in the first place. That's why when we play our part in working out our salvation, we also can do it with fear and trembling. That's why we must do this. Now, this is where I disagree with Wesley about 
his definition of fear and trembling. He said it's not to be taken literally. Uh, I suppose in his day it was not so evident, but in our present day there's this great emphasis on relational theology about our intimacy with God. It seems we may have overstretched it and at the cost of our rever reverence for God. Now, don't get me wrong. For me, eternal life is what Jesus says in John 17, to know God and to know Jesus whom he has sent. Um, that we can actually have a relationship with God, for me, is the jewel of Christianity. And yes, we call, or we can call God, Abba. Yeah? Uh, I suppose it's like Baba instead of Tenfu. Not bad, huh? ACS boys are more. Um, but God is still El Shaddai. God Almighty, the awesome God. God is still our Creator. Yes, Jesus calls us His friends, but God the Father is not our buddy. He's not my chum. If he's your chum, you are very chum already, I assure you. That's paradox. We have intimacy with God in Christ, but it should never be at the expense of our reverence for God. So, that's why working out our salvation is with fear and trembling. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And it is all for God's pleasure, not ours. We need to know our place and the part we play. And Wesley ends with this saying or quote from St. Augustine in Latin no less. My Latin is very poor, but I'm going to try and say this. Qui fecit nos sine nobis? Non salvabit nos sine nobis. Translated, He who made us without ourselves will not save us without ourselves. In other words, God created us without our help, without any part, anything we, can, we could do. But, in terms of saving us, He wants us to work with Him. He will not save us without ourselves. That's why, as Outler says, this is the mystery of divine human interaction, the paradox of prevenient grace and human agency. I, don't, I can't do any better in explaining it. Okay, so I hope you got it. So, this is then is the bottom line. Because how, of how God is working in our lives, we, it is utterly possible for us to obey Him and to do His will. Because this then is the commandment, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Can I say that again? Because how God is working in our lives, it is utterly possible for us to obey Him and do His will, even if we are unwilling in the first place. And then to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is who we are, this is what we do. I'm going to pray now. After the prayer, don't cut off first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this marvelous grace that you have uh, provided for us. We thank you that um, 
even if we are unwilling, you can bring us not only through that unwillingness, but to the point where we obey you and do your will. And help us to do this with fear and trembling, because this is what you want to do for us. Thank you for this paradox and great mystery, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.